looks like um, I've, you know, I've been told by those beings, you know, that what I'm doing, that's what exactly they want me to do. Um, so I, you know, I've gotten the official blessing from the alien ambassadors. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica show. Uh, we're going to be talking to Kevin Estrella a little bit later um, about rock and roll and his new new album and his encounter, UFO encounter. Um, and we got RPJ is going to join us for a bit. But first, as always, <laughs> look at him and <laughs> just can't wait for it. <laughs> Mr. Dunlop, we'll see you tonight. now. How's it going, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. That's it. You got me all excited for nothing on after them. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, we have Red Pill Junkie here. How's it going, Red? Hey, guys. Nice, nice weather. Nice talking to you again. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. That Mexican internet seems to have picked up. Yeah, anyway, it's very it's good connection. Knock on wood, but we haven't had any connection issues in a while since we moved to the igloo. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't glitch it. Or, or is it? Jinx it. Jinx. Are you going to apologize to Kevin now for the the issues that we have had tonight? Yes. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> what happened? Oh, we... Oh, the computer fucking froze. The first time my computer's frozen fucking like 10 years and it happens to do it while it's recording an interview. Yeah. So we lost, the... Robbie has lost like two minutes, oh, three minutes it? of oh, audio. Oh, that's not too bad. I thought it was more than that. Could be So five. the computer is over Less 10 than years old? Probably eight years old. Yeah, well, it's time to change it, man. Well, it still fucking works pretty flawlessly. <laughs> well, clearly, like, unless clearly we, if we have another problem, then we'll see. <laughs> Technically, we could be recording right to a fucking hard drive without even going into a computer. But I just don't, then you don't see it. You yeah, just like, it. it's just all on faith that it's recording. <laughs> I like seeing the little fucking audio bar that it's recording. It makes me feel safe inside. Well, someday when we get a little bit more donations, I gotta I gotta upgrade to a, a different laptop eventually as well. Yeah. So yeah. one day, a, a new recording computer is a long ways off in the distance. Yeah. Unless we can get a bunch of subscribers. That's right. Actually, we got a few subscribers recently. Yes, I don't have their names handy, but we did get two or three subscribers Thank in you. the last couple of weeks. So Thank we're you happy to have that. you on board. Yeah. It's always great to get a subscriber, a new what subscriber. About, uh, new countries, you know, to add to the Grimerica hegemony. I don't know. We kind of stopped counting. List, if you guys then... start, if you guys, I, well, I could not spell them off by name. There's no way I could go through and figure out which ones we mentioned and which ones we have. No, but we had like a, once it got up to like 130, 140, then it just seemed like it was pointless. We had already you stopped counting. We had, oh, already, yeah. we had already wrapped the show goal. off. <laughs> Yeah, it was too much to go through the list because it doesn't tell you my newest country to join. So to start Once going we through the whole Western Hemisphere, <laughs> gave it up. You know, the rest. It's like, oh man, did we already read this one? <laughs> Thanks to Zimbabwe. Like, oh, fuck, we already you're them. going through them and trying to cross off which ones. Like, we were never fucking. It all kind of happened too fast for us to really, we never really, yeah. by the time was, we thought about it, it was already too late. Once we realized there was only two countries left in Africa to complete the globe, we gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so we never get there. <laughs> no, now we won't. <laughs> so how have you guys been? Uh, pretty good, yeah. 
I got some yeah. feedback. Do you want to? Do you want me to just give you a little rundown and feedback from Chris's uh, quantum healing episode there? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, no, just from you know the girlfriend's experience and stuff. Oh yeah, that. Yeah, yeah that. Oh that. that? Yeah. In, yeah. That's yeah, we that. had lots of good feedback about the last episode, and a yeah. little, you know, some negative stuff as well. But everybody got it's always a, good, a mixed bag. Everybody good got a good howl about a couple of things. Yeah, short shorts, <laughs> that short shorts, tight shorts. Oh, <laughs> that. Uh. Don't give any of our artists any uh, ideas out there. <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. Um, no, my. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, she definitely, when I got home, right, she had in- interesting stuff to say. She had, uh, her scent had been back. Like, she's had about six sinus surgeries, and she's had problems with her with her nose, and she could actually smell stuff for a while there. It's interesting. And her face did get, get better. It cleared up. Mm. And she went migraine and stomach ache free for six days, which is basically a record for the past couple months. So I don't know, man. Something was going on. She's going to do some well, follow-up appointment that's appointments good, though, with him, but I mean, what? it really did. It really did make an impact on her. Good. Well, that's good to know. That means that there's a chance. Yeah. Exactly. Or maybe that's only there's the placebo effect. Yeah, but even if there's a placebo, then that means she's fucking starting to believe that she Ex- can be healed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the placebo effect's all you really need. <clears throat> maybe. <laughs> or maybe there's some quantum healing going on. You just need the proper placebo. I think I'd, I'd, I'd trust placebo. I, personally, I would lean towards placebo over quantum healing. Well, it could be a mix of both. No. Yeah. It could be one, one no. allows the other to happen. I don't think so. All or, or one nothing. pushes the all other or one to happen. No. Oh, Jesus. That's when you look like a rakist. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you make rakey dirty when you get that look on your face. You're like, one just pushes them. Oh. Uh, are you rakey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raking the swear words out of you tonight. Raking the shit out of you. Yeah, he's Darren's got a dirty mouth tonight. I don't. Yeah, you do actually. (laughs) Do I? I always do. That's the number one flaw in the show is my fucking bad attitude. So, so are you uh, reading the reviews or what? Oh man. Yeah, most of them are that fucking. Most people, most of the reviews are good. Oh, I don't think we have any new reviews. I got yeah, I got some feedback here, but I just what sort I of just, feedback? Can I, I play just, a jingle? Uh, Let's go like this then. Let's try and s- s- razzle Graham. <clears throat> I don't know if I helped him or hindered him. Hinder as usual. I was just trying to buy you some time. I thought that might help. I thought it might be helping you out. This is the profound UFO quote of the week. My background is a naval aviator with approximately 4,000 hours. At the time, am I reading the right one? Yeah. At the time of the incident, I was deployed with an anti submarine squadron aboard a CVE class carrier. I was assigned air crew training officer and prior to deployment had attended CIC air controller school at Point Lorna. Also, Airborne Air Controller School and Airborne Early Warning School, both located at NAS San Diego. It was at night. I was riding with the radar operator, which I often did to check on the proficiency. We were flying at 5,000 feet, solid instruments, with our wingman flying 
a radar position about three miles eastern. No, three miles astern and slightly to our right or left. The target, which was slightly larger than our wingman, I picked up on our scope, had been circling the fleet, and it left the fleet and joined up on our position behind our wingman, approximately the same position he held on us. I reported the target to the ship and was informed that the target was also held on the ship's radars, 14 in number, and for us to get a visual sighting if possible. This was impossible because of the clouds. The target retained his relative position for approximately five minutes and then departed in excess of 1,000 miles per hour. He departed on a straight course and was observed, was observed to the maximum distance of my radar, which was 200 miles. Upon completion of my flight, an unidentified flying object report was completed, at which time I was informed that the object was held on the ship's radars for approximately seven hours. That's from Lieutenant Commander M.C. Davies, U.S. Navy, Korean Waters in 1951. Mm, well done, sir. Well read. Not really. Yeah, that was one of your better ones. You powered through it. You look like a drill sergeant over there. <laughs> <laughs> like you really wanted to get through it, and you pulled it off. That was a tough one. <laughs> And it didn't feel like my best, so I don't know what the fuck. No, you did on. pretty good. There was one little slur in there, but I let you get away with it. Do you want to? Do you want a sort of a UFO sighting slash feedback from one of our listeners? Uh, can I play a jingle? No, I don't have a jingle for that. But yes, this is from Pat Butcher. She's been she's been uh, fighting the good battle on YouTube for us. Well, she's been fighting a battle. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer not to weigh in. I don't know enough to weigh in. I think in. she thinks that I save you constantly episode after episode. Oh, that's what <laughs> that must have us mixed up. Yeah. I suppose it's possible. <laughs> she says, great show. I have an encounter story, and it's a bit lame, but when I was a teenager, my friend used to lay back and look at the sky, and I did this with him for one day. <laughs> in about an hour, we saw what I can only describe as three stealth fighters with the double tail. They were as high as you can imagine was the maximum a plane could fly, and we saw what can only be described as a speck flying in the same direction at about three times the speed. They were human tech, but they were the strangest things I had seen in the sky over England. But I will never forget that hour. And one night during the same thing, we saw around ten lights moving around in the sky between each other. Now, overtaking each other, U-turning, they moved at an average speed, but it was fascinating. And on that same night, there were th at least five helicopters all moving in the same direction over the horizon. They weren't UFOs as such, but that is my experience of happenings in the sky. I can't explain. Any chance of a shout out? So, yeah, thanks, Pat. Yeah. I, had a, I had a cool uh, fighter plane sighting in England. I was looking overlooking this castle on a on over a river, like this real ruiny. It was like the ruins just whatever was left of this castle. And I saw, and I took a picture of it, actually. I saw a fighter plane crossing over the horizon of the castle. RAF. This is a very, like, it was a very, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Like a ab, uh, Picturesque. contrast, right? The ancient castle mm. and the modern fighter plane. Yeah. yeah. Very like artsy. In, like in Billy Myers photos, you know, you have these like <laughs> gleaming, futuristic, silvery object, you know, on, on a very picturesque bucolic background yeah yeah exactly 
You know, speaking of which, speaking of uh, fighter planes, uh, uh, did you guys see the news about this family who is complaining about the Air Force harassing them for years in order to, to force them to leave their property, you know, because they are, live right next to Area 51? Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. They're, aren't they paying them $5 million to get out of there or something? Don't yeah, but these guys... These guys refuse to accept the money. What? And, and, and it's kind of weird because I think that in like a few days, they will be uh, kicked out of the property in, in any way. You know, they will, the, the Air Force will like appropriate the, 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 the property or something. I, I'm not sure what, which kind of legal technicality they will use, but, but apparently this family... Is refusing to to accept the five meal, and but they are going to <laughs> be left without no, with nothing. So I don't know. It's it's just, it's it's a strange story because nobody understands. At least there seems to be some kind of uncertainty on why the Air Force is so adamant on on acquiring this uh, this patch of land. Why is it so? important to them because well like the family said you know if you want to see the the area 51 it's it's better to you to be using google you know on the right on your laptop instead of trying to to ca catch a glimpse of the of the of the base you know maybe from that's their where, property maybe that's where the underground base has to keep building to you know so, well so these guys have a mind it's right which was never this guy, this mine was never uh, real, really profitable. But maybe the Air Force has some plans for the mines. You know, maybe to to store nuclear weapons. I'm, I'm speculating here, but maybe that's why they want uh, this property. Or maybe they accidentally busted into one of their mines in their huge underground secret fucking space program hangar. Yeah, <laughs> S <It's> four. <laughs> that's it, buddy. Man, we could let's just stick with the UFO topic here. This is a like basically like big UFO episode. I've got it. I've what got it. Synchronicity. <clears throat> got a synchronicity. Um, no, I don't think so. Trip report. <laughs> yeah, I do actually have a trip report. American trip report. Is that from Ephraim? No, <laughs> it always reminds me of Ephraim. <laughs> Um, is Ephraim going to Paradigm this year? It's incredibly racist. No, yeah. he can't. He's she's very busy, you know, with, oh, with his bad. work and also finishing he, the second, the second uh, part or the, the like sequel, sequel to his, his book. Yeah, uh, yeah, from Alien Cartel. So, mm. no, unfortunately, he's not coming this year. Uh, we should talk about Paradigm later on about twenty getting twenty percent off. Uh, mentioning our show. That's right. Weekend, so you just, just remind just me. talking about it right now. Should we just talk about it now then? Yeah. yeah right. well. After the trip report. Okay. So <clears throat> this is from Bobby B. Yet another great show in the bag. I think he's, uh, oh, this is a uh, feedback after Chris's healing show last week. Another good, uh, always good to hear RPJ on the show. P.S. to RPJ. Cultivate your own mushrooms and keep positive intent during the entire process. If it means that much to you, it's a small price. The experience will be perfectly suited to you, like they recognize the attention and effort. 
one time, not too long ago, I enjoyed 5.5, profound oneness, something best described vocally if that's actually possible with words. A month later, 8.6. At a point, I didn't know if my eyes were open or not. A month Whoa. later, 16. Within a week to mini-test McKenna's theory of psilocybin in bloodstream for a period. We'll experience again in about a year. Anyways, I love you all. Peace. Jesus. <laughs> well, is that a lot? Well, not being on eight, even eight's a lot. Five and a half's a lot. Is that is he talking grams like? Must be. Holy. Like eight and a half grams. Eight point six. Can't even tell he if says, your eyes are open or not. And maybe he's a he's a robust guy like me, you know. Yeah, but I love the I love it about growing your own mushrooms and giving them intent and like, you know, giving them attention and thinking about yeah, them and and then they recognize you when you eat them. They're like, hey, now there's our there's our, <laughs> there's our buddy, there's our there's our gardener. <laughs> Dad, don't eat me now. <laughs> I can't believe this fucking guy ate us. Yeah, no, they're they're looking forward to it, obviously. Yeah, I guess it's to fulfill their purpose. So let's mention it. I don't think uh, anybody's going to be talking about psychedelics at Paradigm Symposium, but it is there uh, in Minneapolis uh, oh. from October 1st to 4th. I mean, there might be some people, you know, you never know. I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. And uh, anyways, 20% uh, off your tickets. I mean, people have heard us talk about it before. Every year we go. Um, call the number in the show notes, which is uh, Scotty Roberts' number. 651-468-8115. That number again is 651-468-8115. See, we could do ads. <laughs> mention the Grand America Show and you get 20% off weekend pass. I think it's around 280 for the weekend. Yes. So 20% off that. You okay over there? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Shitty time to get the hiccups. Ah! <laughs> Did I see it? Yeah. Perfect. I have an unreasonable fear of you right now. Of me? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Maybe you have rabies. Uh, yeah, so I think we are all counting the days, you know, to your paradigm. You know, it really feels like it's just around the corner right now. Couple weeks. It is. Three. It is. Yeah. It is just around the corner. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I've also got some feedback here from. Uh, this is from Latitude Publishing. Hey Igluians, I've enjoyed listening to you from Shinon, Shinan, South Korea. In the past six months, I've listened to most every podcast as I sat in front of my computer desk designing an ESL textbook. I enjoyed my work as I listened to your interviews. I dig your topics and guests and look forward to many more. Good to see a pick of the igloo. A donation to the cause is soon on its way. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you for yeah. listening in South Korea. That's no awesome. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we make your work day a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think working in com computers and podcasting, you know, listen to podcasts, it's, they go hand in hand quite nicely. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's hard. I think it's hard to uh, focus on both at once. I kind of have to be doing something pretty, uh, pretty like mind driving. Yeah, like driving or washing dishes or chores. Like I, I like to listen while I do chores. But as soon as I'm doing like 
computer work. I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time I doing like it. jogging. Yeah, sometimes. I like uh, drawing, you know, the one, the last, um, that little illustration I made to, to help promote Paradigm Symposium, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts. Hmm. What was your uh, favorite one? What's from MU? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most of them I mean, I'm trying to catch up again with those guys. Yeah. <clears throat> Great content over there. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Great content. So what else you got? Well, I got, a, I got another email with, a, with an attached uh, <clears throat> an audio file, so people can do this, too, if they want to send in their, their experiences on audio. Hi, Graham. Attached is a two-minute audio file describing a UFO experience that happened to me. I've never shared this story with anyone before. But after giving you and Darren a few lessons, I knew that I was in good company with you two gentlemen. Thanks for oh, the time. Boy. And that's Jacob. <laughs> How many did he listen to? So I'm going to just play this here, see if this works. Is this going to record? Hey, Graham. I'm a new listener to the show, but a very hardcore, avid listener. My name is Jacob, and I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. And I wanted to tell you quickly about a UFO story that happened to me personally about three years ago. It was around midnight, and I was on the roof of my parents' house, and they live kind of in a rural sort of area. And so we're surrounded by trees. There wasn't a whole lot of light pollution, so it was really nice to kind of gaze up at the night sky. Well, I was out on the roof after a long day doing a pinch of the old weed, if you catch my drift, and I look up and I see something that I simply cannot explain. There was a bright light that flashed across the night sky for about three to four seconds, and it was kind of low to the ground, and before it disappeared behind some trees. And this object, it was very bright. It wasn't your typical UFO or flying saucer or black triangle shape. It was shaped like a baton, it's something that you would imagine a cheerleader would use at a high school football game or something. You know, it was like a long stick, and on each end there was a ball. And then the way that it traveled across the sky wasn't like a corkscrew it was as if it looks like if you pick up a stick and throw it into a lake it went end over end so as i'm looking up i see this this bright object going end over end looking like a, a baton flying across the sky and it was really kind of low to the ground and then disappeared behind these trees and i immediately opened the window jumped back inside and braced for impact because i really thought that this thing was going to hit the ground and i didn't know if it was some sort of bomb or a rocket or just like an airplane or something that was just fell out of the sky and was about to crash but i was bracing myself for impact but nothing ever came so immediately I got on Google to search this baton-shaped UFO to see if anyone else had experienced this type of phenomenon. And luckily, I found a couple sites that had described this baton-shaped UFO. And I was curious if any of your listeners or in your experience, if either of you gentlemen had any encounters with the baton-shaped UFO. <coughs> Thanks again for what you guys are doing. Have a great one. <coughs> You okay over there, buddy? This fucking vaporizer is too much sometimes. <clears throat> really too interesting. Too much goodness. Yeah, baton shaped. Speaking mm. of baton yeah, shaped. I never, I never heard of that. Really? I mean, I well, I know that there's plenty of uh, sightings of cigar-shaped UFOs, you know, cylindrical UFOs. But never one with a, a, like a long stick type of figure. I'm surprised Red was able to hear that. Oh. No, I, I heard it perfectly. 
I'm glad our audio is working good enough for Red to hear that story. Well, because uh, his audio is coming from your computer already. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that unreliable yeah, piece I of I don't crap. understand how it got there because it's not in the mix minus. Well, thanks. Uh, Jacob, that's quite it. the that's quite the uh, the speaker there. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Very eloquent. Yeah. Couple, very eloquent. My first thought was maybe it was it. a baton being thrown by a cheerleader. So hopefully there's no cheerleaders in the area throwing batons. Attack up. from the cheerleaders from Mars. <laughs> hey, speaking of which. Yeah. But no, I've uh, I haven't heard of any recently. But I think I'm. Baton, I mean, I've heard UFOs. of. Similar yeah. type Maybe it's just like a cigar UFO like up close. Looks more like a baton. Mm, maybe. Or like mm. a probe. Yeah, but the idea is that the cigar-shaped ones are the, like, quote-unquote, motherships, you know, meaning they are really large and they, you know, they usually don't, people don't see them that close to the ground. Right, right, Yeah. So, except for Jacob, yeah, when he yeah pretty interesting, pretty, pretty unusual sighting yeah. for sure. So, what, uh, hmm, what, what, is that all we got in the gift in the bag of tricks? What about you, Red? You got anything to talk about that you want to mention? Mm, any new blogs come up or any uh, interesting? No, I'm completely dry on the blog department, sadly. Right on. Well, you've been too busy making other creative endeavors happen, right? Yeah, that I'm playing <laughs> Angry Birds too. <laughs> oh, you're addicted to the birds, are you? Angry Birds, you're just getting there, eh? Yeah, man. It's a really, really wonderful way, way form to waste your time. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll never is get that, that time back. What is that? Is that the one where you flick the little bird somewhere and... Yeah, but this is like this, the, 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 the second game, oh. the second installment of the game. I'll download it for you. Get into it. You could get into it, probably. That'll be it. It'll no, be on your work, under your desk, playing fucking yeah, Angry Birds. You have yeah, it going I, in your drawer. I downloaded it on my on my tablet, you know, and, you know, you really get to appreciate the, the artwork. Well, we should take the Oculus out for another rip there, Darren. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Our buddy's got it all down, some new games for it downloaded and got some stuff ready. So we should do a little VR night. Oh, man. All right. We'll talk VR about it. And yeah. Should we talk about... Uh, oh, sp speaking of which, I think that they are going to screen the documentary Travis during the Paradigm Symposium, right? I don't know. I think it will be like Thursday or Friday night. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, a good idea. Yeah, and this is a documentary, obviously based on the on the ex world famous experience of Travis Walton, who is probably the most famous abductee in the world. You know, which uh, he eventually went to write his book "Fire in the Sky," which was also based to make uh, that movie released in the 1990s, which you know. It's not really that bad, but it's also it's not really that good because it didn't really capture, you know, the the, the real essence of his his experience. It was much more like a, a, a terror kind of aliens kind of vibe, you know, instead of all the things that he actually managed to to experience inside this quote unquote alien craft. Hmm. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting to see that there. Yeah, for sure. And to meet him in person, you know, something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it'll be good. I think I've seen him at a couple conferences before. We'll hopefully yeah, get a chat me. in with him. Mm, yeah. yeah. Try to get him yeah. up to the hotel room. Yeah. That'll be a better way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what else you got? I think that's what it. Support the show. America.ca slash support. Uh, yeah, help us out with our expenses and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to talk about the other thing? Do you want to read Jim's email maybe? Was it Jim? What email's that? About... Uh, Oh, about so different ways to support the show? Yeah. <clears throat> well, doing the 420 landmark. Well, here's some ideas. We're wondering how to, um, people have been tweeting about it. We're wondering how to acknowledge and recognize our contributors. And uh, somebody suggested, uh, where was it here? Huh, I can't find it. Somebody suggested that we. Um, let people come on the show who have donated a certain amount. And we think that's a pretty good idea. Maybe expand it to somebody actually picking a guest and coming on the show with that guest. Yeah. If we can get them, of course. If we can get the guest, and of course. Yeah. RPJ approved. What's RPJ approved? Oh, this concept? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Red Pill Junkies approved the concept. Darren's got a number in his head, obviously 420 approximately. <laughs> And PayPal keeps track of it all, but the catch is we don't want to keep track of fuck all. It's hard to keep track of it yeah. all. Yeah. It's hard enough to book the guests, So actually. you guys should be able to figure <laughs> out where you're at. And we'll trust you. And we'll trust you. That when you email us and say you hit 420, you actually hit it, and then we can get in correspondence. You can choose your guest, and we will uh, set it all up so you can come on the show for the interview. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. So, <clears throat> what if we get a lot of people at 420 and just every interview is with <laughs> some listeners? <laughs> we'll have to deal with that when it comes. So, this is just an, for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem we're going to have to worry we, about. Oh, we could get some one-time people throwing down 420 to be on with their favorite guests. So be it. Yeah. So, I don't know if we're going to do as this. We're, we're, we're just throwing it out shows. there, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't okay. think we have to worry about it anytime soon. Anyway. Okay. And then we'll talk about other ways to recognize people, like if there should be levels or something like that, like knighthoods, pseudo knighthoods or something like that. But I don't want to get too, uh, too into that because again, it's the tracking, which is difficult. Yeah. So speaking of that, there's a load of ways to, to support the show. Yeah. Grammarica.ca slash support. The uh, host has uh, all the monetary options there. Um, grabamerica.ca slash iTunes or Stitcher is where you can uh, track us down and leave us a review, which always helps. Um, help fight the, help fight back the one-star reviews with some five-star reviews. Um, Red Pill Junkie, how do we get all How do people find you? Sign up for the newsletter. Oh, well, they can find me on Twitter. They can find me on Facebook. And obviously, they can find me on my main home online, the Daily Grail, you know, www.dailygrail.com. And also, please check out my very sporadic contributions to Mysterious Universe. Yeah, we'll do. We'll. I'll put those. I'll put those links in the show notes for people. 
And Darren, sorry to interrupt you there. Is there other ways that you want to talk Newsletter? To newsletter? Just the newsletter. I Sign think. up people for the newsletter. But leave a voicemail. There's leave a voicemail too. They could do that. Tell your friends. Spamgram. Spamgram. Tell your friends about the show. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Tell people. Spread it. Yeah, just help us grow the word so we can cover our expenses here. Spread the good word. Spread the good word, eh? All right, guys. Enjoy this chat with uh, Kevin Estrella. And uh, we'll pick you up in the outro. You got anything else to throw at the red? Some words of wisdom to leave us with? Mm, drive safely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also thanks to Kevin for all his music for this episode as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're featuring all his tunes. The so. Joe Satriani of the North. Exactly. I dig it, man. Yeah, you, I used to listen to the people he was influenced by in the 80s. It was Absolutely. Awesome. I knew yeah. all the songs he was talking about from Surfing with the Alien back then. I even kind of went as surfing with the alien as a Halloween costume once. I believe it. Just sit in green suit with a surfboard and my alien mask. I was like, I'm Joe Satriani's album. Nobody knew what the fuck I was talking about. Tiny pair of shorts. Nobody (laughs) knew. A child of the 80s there. Yeah. Darren doesn't get it. No. Yeah. I'm a toddler of the 80s. I was a child in the 80s. You're a millennial. No, you're not. You're too old. I'm not a millennial right now. All right, guys. Enjoy the chat. (laughs) Bye. it was like hearing music for the first time um how complex and how beautiful box music was the melodies the counter melodies you know the, the key changes and how they all flowed back to each other um the the patterns and stuff the the the, the violin the the way the violin speaks and, and violin lines i just love the sound of the violin um and especially with vivaldi because vivaldi was a composer he was this red-haired priest from Italy, you know, from, 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 from Italy who, um, did, you know, he was a composer and he was torn between the church and composing and he ended up dropping, you know, um, the church to become a full-time composer, but he was a violinist. And so his concertos are always based around the violin, but they're so beautiful and so melodic and the, the patterns of the violin, you know, even Bach was influenced by Vivaldi. He, you know, he, he, um, got a hold of Vivaldi transcripts you know, had them, you know, transported from Italy to Germany, and then he would take them and and turn them, some of them into, you know, versions for himself, like, you know, like take a whole orchestra and turn it into an organ piece. 
and uh, and you can hear you can hear the Vivaldi influence in Bach, which is really kind of funny. Hmm. But I really started listening more to violin music and, and harpsichord music because that just really spoke to me of of how the organization on the instrument. And then I understood how where Malmsteen was coming from because Malmsteen, when you listen to him, he really plays his guitar more like like a violin, hmm. and his approach in the guitar is more like a violin. Because the scales he uses, he uses three octave scales, um, which you, you can get three octaves on a, on a guitar because you got six strings, and then each octave is only two strings. So you got, um, you know, you know, strings six and five, you can do an octave. Four and three, you can do an octave. Two and one, you can do an octave. And most of his patterns are based off of those those symmetrical scales. And it sounds it sounds like a violin when you when you play these kind of you know these patterns and stuff. So I started to visualize the guitar a lot differently and, and my approach on guitar, and I started playing more of the guitar like a violin. So um, then, then I decided to create Pyramids on Mars, and I, I got a studio. I built myself a studio and started writing music. And I, 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 Pyramids on Mars was, was the theme that I chose even before I had, you know, began writing the music. And I got the name Pyramids on Mars from um, um, there's a, a drummer by the name of Virgil Donati, who um, um, is this amazing drummer from from uh, from Australia? And uh, anyway, um, one of his songs was called uh, "Pyramids on Mars," and I knew that "Pyramids on Mars" existed, and that became the theme for me to mer to to marry my my love of instrumental music with my passion for aliens and UFOs and uncovering the truth, which I've spent the last twenty years doing. Hmm. And it also was a great visual, uh, the, the pyramid, because it is inter- it's 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 not only international, it's it's universal. What, you know, was that, what was that drummer's name again? Virgil Donati. Virgil Donati. Have to look that up. Graham has an, a a bit of an affinity for drummers. No, so I don't. Let's see what we could dig up on Virgil. Oh my god, Virgil's Virgil's amazing. No, I just had a weird experience with uh, at an Elton John concert in Vegas with a drummer, like. Just being actually like sort of like altered states kind of thing. So, oh yeah, yeah. So Darren's been bugging me about it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I get the same way with Thomas Hack from Meshuga. <laughs> oh okay. okay. I don't get the reference. It's just another band. Yeah, Meshuga. Meshuga. Oh my god, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'll have to check some of that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where was I? So pyramids on Mars, yeah. Um, you know, I've been studying alien and UFO phenomena, you know, for the last twenty years. Um, really got involved in it back in the early nineties when, when you know, I heard about you know Bob Lazar was coming out with uh, you know the you know talking about alien propulsion systems and stuff that he was studying in Area Fifty One. I started getting interested, at, you know, really interested at that point. And also at that time, UFO abductions were very common. So I started reading a lot of you know books by Bud Hopkins, and then the movie Communion came out and stuff. And then I was really you know really focusing on learning this stuff. And you know I was learning about crop circles. Uh, my drummer at the time, Matt Rock, he was he both he he and I were both heavily influenced by the whole alien you know um, trying to understand what's going on with these with these aliens. And he actually ended up quitting our band to become a full-time crop circle researcher. So we were both very involved, um, passionately about the whole thing. Hmm. 
Is he still hunting crop circles? Oh yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and, um, he, he's an experiencer too. He's seen at least four craft. Um, he, he feels that they're watching him because he's so involved with the subject and he's, he's, uh, spent years working on free energy, uh, systems, um, that, that, that are based off of, um, I think he told me Egyptian technology, ancient Egyptian technology. So he's trying to make these things work. Um, he also built a Tesla coil in his basement. How am I going to have this guy on the show? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he was, he did all kinds of stuff. He even created like these, um, these, like, I, I don't know how he did it, but like, like he took a, he used a computer monitor, like the old big fat ones as a, as a power source. And then it had a wire going from it to this model model which was basically a, a made of like like toothpicks and it had like a wire going across one top and then it had a a, a ring of tin foil going around the the bottom of it and then when he turned it on this plasma stream traveled from the top wire down to the 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 tin foil part and the thing was levitating and moving around the room <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it was wild looking, though. Like, I had a plasma stream going across this thing, which is kind of funny. Uh, now that I think about it, getting back to what I saw last year, and I'll, I'll get into that in detail. But anyway, like, my passion for UFOs and aliens you know, never stopped. And then I spent uh, years, you know, I spent the last couple of years just studying the phenomena, you know, the, um, the the moon and, and what's up on the moon. And, um, uh, you know, when I first heard of you know, these theories about alien bases on the moon, I thought, oh, my God, here they go again. These conspiracy theorists and all these crazy ideas they've got. Yeah. And then I started doing the research. And then I realized, you know, after spending hundreds of hours on it, that, that oh, my God, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, it's completely true. <laughs> you know? On the, on the dark side, or is that what you're talking about? The whole, the whole moon is, the whole- is littered with, with alien bases. The dark side and the front side. Huh. You think they're alien, or I like, I like, I think they're uh, pre, like, oh, pre, pre ancient, like pre, pre Atlantis, pre history, pre destruction of the. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's there's ruins up there. You know, there's ruined bases up there, and there's functional bases. There's all kinds of stuff that's up there. Israeli moon bases. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, you know, like I remember, like when I first really started, you know, researching it, and they they showed all these these pictures of the moon. That were all airbrushed out, like you know, craters and stuff. But there's you know parts of the the pictures that are all kind of like blurry. And I was looking at it going, I've seen this before. Like I've seen these pictures before. I've seen this kind of stuff. And then it was like I didn't know where where I saw it before. And then all of a sudden I had this flashback to when I was a kid back in 1976 or 77. And uh, my doctor um, in his office, he had this huge book on the moon, which I was always attracted to because it was so cool looking. You know, on the front page, it had a picture of an astronaut on the moon. It was like high definition, really great quality. And you open up and it was like a you know two inches thick picture book. So, you know, the first you know quarter of the book, it's all pictures of the astronauts and the spaceships and the walking around the moon and stuff. And then the deeper you get into the book, it's more pictures of craters and stuff like that. And I remember as a kid, I was like, you know, five, six years old, and I'd be looking at these pictures, and it's like there's blurred out stuff on almost all the pages. 
it looked like you know like it's all black and white grainy pictures because the the quality wasn't that great now and now i know why but it was still airbrushed out stuff like you know long tall things short little things like you know there's towers and small things but i didn't know what i was looking at it because i knew that they were covering something up because i would i would like you know i'd turn the page over to the back and look at the back and see okay can i see from the back what they're covering up because i know they're definitely blocking something out then i look at the picture again and think oh maybe it's a scratch you know, like a scratch book like if you scratch it you'll see the picture underneath and so i'm scratching it and it's like no it's that's not it they're covering stuff up on these pages what's going on and then it's like 25 years later i see the same pictures on the internet and it was like oh my god i made the connection they were right hmm. they were, you know but the technology wasn't that great back in the 70s so the airbrushing was really really obvious did you I wish i could did you think <clears throat> did you run into the you know the moon landing hoax theories and all that too what do you what are your thoughts about that or did you do you think they believe, went and then didn't go back a lot afterwards or no i know i i know um that we definitely did go to the moon but i also believe that there was some faked moon landings as well oh, yeah. which could possibly be for the reason that um this is my theory that they were expecting something to happen you know <laughs> you know, during if they the went again, landing. you mean if they went again, like, well, if they went again, yeah, like they're expecting something to happen if they went up again, or, well, we're talking about the original moon landing when they and there's like fo- like things that kind of prove that there was some faked fake stuff. Oh, on the I moon. see what you're saying. Okay, like the original moon landing, there is so you know evidence of you know showing like looks like fake fake <laughs> fake lunar landings. I think there's kind of like it's it's kind of a combination of both. Like we did land on the moon for sure, and you know, oh, that's all real. But they think they also, you know, filmed a fake, fake moon landing. I think just in case, you know, something happened during the first moon landing that they didn't want to, you know, blow, you know, blow the cover. That you oh, know, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that yeah. there's, you know, that there's yeah. UFOs because if you, you know, you go back and uh, you know, I've read many, many times about the the um, when they switched over to an emergency channel, um, Buzz Aldrin and and uh, and uh, um, Neil Armstrong were, were talking about that they were being observed from um, from a crater. That there was uh, you know several spacecraft that were you know sitting in a crater watching everything that they were doing. Hmm. So uh, you know they were being watched. Um, but I mean I think you know there's a lot to the moon landings that that are that is that has been covered up. Um, Richard Hoagland you know has spent a long time you know doing research to get to the bottom of, of the moon, you know, in the, in the, the dark missions, as he calls them. Yeah. Um, you know, I follow a lot of, follow a lot of stuff that he, that he talks about. Um, but, um, anyway, getting is, back to, is there you know, audio of that, uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin saying they're being observed? I can't remember. I thought I heard something. I thought I've heard audio of something like that. I think there I, there is different audios and stuff. I don't know if there is the exact the exact audios of you know saying that we're being observed, we're being watched. But they did. There was a blackout period where they they did lose connection because uh, where like during live television they had to switch over to emergency channel because um, they were saying about um, you know that we're being watched <coughs> by people things in the crater. So you're talking about your your uh, your buddy there who was investigating crop circles, and you mentioned he had like four encounters or recently did that did that increase since he started looking at at the crop circles like looking into it or was that from beforehand 
I think he well he had a couple many years ago, but he's had he's had a couple recently, um, like in the last couple of years. Right, right. Like he saw he saw a ship materialize and then dematerialize behind a behind a cloud. Wow. Um, but um, I think I like like I had I had uh, um, my UFO encounter last year, but it wasn't. I don't think it was the first one because. Um, because Matt and I were together back in 2000 up in Huntsville in Northern Ontario, where we had, we had an incident happen that we cannot explain. Uh Um, and it was very strange and it's funny that we can't remember the details. So I'll I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that one. Um, we're up and, um, you know, up up with my, my bandmates, uh, Rick Gersinger and Matt drummer. And it was at nighttime and we went down to the, to the dock to go for a swim in the lake. It was like a cloudless, beautiful you know starlit night sky with the full moon and thousand stars is just absolutely beautiful and so rick goes into the into the sauna and matt and i are like in the water just kind of admiring the stars and then all of a sudden i hear this sound that sounded like flames and i remember looking up and i still to this day i don't know if it was the moon or whether it was something the same size as the moon it was on fire and it was coming right for us, and it was, it wasn't, in, it wasn't in the outer atmosphere. It was like thousands of feet close to us, and I could hear the sound of this. And I remember looking at the sky, seeing this thing, this flaming ball coming right towards us. Wow! And then, and then, flash, it was gone, and we both went, "Whoa! What the heck was that?" Or was like, did we see a UFO? Was that a UFO? We're like, I don't know. I don't know what that was. It was the strangest thing. It was like, it was almost like if the the moon had just all of a sudden burst into flames and came and came falling out of the sky to land on us. And I can't explain what happened. Um, you know, I remember hearing the sound. I could remember hearing the the flames of this thing coming towards us, and it was the same size as the moon. The flames were shooting right behind it, so I knew its direction, trajectory was right towards us, right you, directly towards us. Did you have any lost time or anything like that? That's the thing. I don't know. I mean, um, I went under hypnotic regression to try and uncover you know, anything more about the incident, and I couldn't. There was like a block. Um, Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, like I just don't remember anything more. And the funny thing is I asked Matt about it, and, and he, he's, he recalls he thought he saw something coming from the, the water up into the sky. So it's like our stories don't even match, but wow, we do remember. Crazy. Yeah, it's weird. Like we can't we can't make sense of it. So that was the first incident. Um, but then the one that happened last year was the one that completely changed my life. So um, you know, going back to pyramids on Mars, here I am, you know, playing instrumental music, which is strange enough as it is, which is you know very you know brave of me to do that, and I'm I'm constantly you know talking about you know, extraterrestrials and UFOs on my, with my interviews. And I'm very open about it. You know, I'm not one of these closet guys who, you know, was afraid of being mocked and stuff like that. Right. Because, you know, because I've done my research and I know what I'm talking about and I feel very comfortable talking about the subject. And, you know, I've met four to six, you know, people who have experienced UFOs firsthand. So, you know, and one of them was an aircraft pilot for Canadian Airlines. Yeah. You know, who I spoke to myself because my dad worked in the airlines and I got a chance to, talk with this guy in the cockpit and he told me the whole story. Yeah. That's the so, thing. If you talk to enough people about it, there's a lot of credible people that have had experiences. So 
you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, honestly, um, I think that if anybody went around and asked 10 people yeah. if they saw UFO or if they know somebody who saw a UFO, you're going to get probably one or two people who's going to say yes. Oh, I think it's, it's even more than that. I think it's like half. Well, yeah. probably. Yeah. I would agree to that. Yeah. yeah. Because, because there's so many people who know somebody who saw something that they can't explain. It's more common than not common now these days. And I, I'm having so many, you know, the radio interviews I'm having, I'm talking to, you know, people from, you know, rock magazine, you know, rock, rock radio and, you know, alien and UFO radio stations, and they all are experiencers. Even the ones in the rock stations, some of them are experiencers too. And they're so glad that I'm talking about this stuff because they don't feel so out of place. Do you think that's part of the agenda? Slowly but surely enough people experience stuff and come open, you know, open up about it that that creates change? Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. It's a slow raising of the consciousness um that's happening um and people more and more people are being awakened and that's what grant's grant's talking about i mean he still thinks that you know full disclosure is not going to you know take place for at least another couple hundred years because oh, wow. he doesn't think that the human race is going to be ready for the truth be the well, change yeah but you know i'm i'm i've been trying to raise raise consciousness and then um you know, and then my incident happened last year, and then I was able to put everything together. And it looks like um, I've, you know, I've been told by those beings, you know, that what I'm doing, that's what exactly they want me to do. Um, so, I, you know, I've gotten the official blessing from the alien ambassadors. Um, so getting back, I guess I'll tell you my story, my UFO story. Um, October 21st, 2014, it was 1030 at night. And uh, I step onto my porch, which uh, faces south on Hamilton. And I live right downtown, you know, right in the middle of the city. You know, it's no, 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 no big surprise there. And within seconds of me stepping onto the porch, my neighbor on my right hand side, he's got this huge tree. Well, this this object starts to come into 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 my view. And at first, I thought it was a meteor because it was. Um, it was looked like it was on fire because it had this, you know, looked like you know, smoke or flames that was kind of traveling up the top of it and along the back back of it. And um, but as it finally came into my full view, I realized no, this wasn't uh, a meteor because it was moving way too slow. It's like maybe the speed of a helicopter or a small plane. I had a I had a, I had a constant speed, but when it finally came into my view. It was it was disc shaped. And it was orange, mostly orange with a little bit of red. And um, this, this, it, it had this stream stuff coming from the front of it, along the top and along the back. But it definitely had a, a disc shape right in the center of this of this thing. And um, what um, what I, I didn't know what I was looking at. I had no clue what I was looking at because I'd never seen anything so odd in my life. Um, not even like in movies, like, have I ever seen anything as strange as this looked? Hmm. And it's very difficult to understand what you're looking at when you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, I get it. So it took me like six months later to figure out what this what this stuff was that was surrounding it. And I finally realized that it was plasma. You know, the same stuff that the sun is made of. That's what this thing was covered in. It was covered in plasma. Um, just like... 
you know, you ever go to like, you know, like those it stores, they have those little glass domes that has like a something in the center and it's shooting plasma streams out towards the, you know, the outside of the glass and you put your hand on it. We have one on the table right now. Well, that's what this stuff was covered. That's what this thing was covered in. It was covered in plasma, (laughs) plasma stream. But the other strange thing about this object, and it took me two weeks to finally really figure it out because I was like, there's something else that was really weird about it. What was it? What was it? And I finally realized it was two dimensional. <laughs> this what, object was two dimensional. What, what do you mean by that? It was like, it was like, the only thing, like, think of a, a solar eclipse. Okay. Yeah, that, that's two dimensional. You know, it looks like a hole in the sky. Hmm. You know, it's, it's got height, it's got depth, but it has, or sorry, it has height and width, but it has no depth. Just like there's a hole in the sky. Well, that's what this thing looked like. It looked like a hole in the sky. Oh. It was um, like, to, to exactly picture what I saw, picture a solar eclipse. Now take that, that you know, that, that roundness, turn it into a disc, color it uh, to make it look like orange and red tie-dye. And then the the surrounding around it, where the where you see the sun bursting around it, that that's covered. That that's basically a plasma stream. This is exactly what I saw. It was a hole in the sky that was moving across the sky. It reminds me somewhat of uh, we had Terry Ray on uh, talking about the invasion of the orange orbs. I don't know if you've heard his work or not, but he did, he studied all the all the American sightings of all orange and red orbs. Oh yeah, and he tracked them all on a map and all this kind of stuff. It was pretty, pretty, pretty cool stuff. And it almost reminds me of, of, of what he was talking about, except that yours has that disc, disc shape in it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so did you have any, any other thoughts when you, when you're contemplating this months down the road? Um, did you have any other deeper thoughts of contact or anything like that as well? Of contact? Yeah, like any thoughts of of missing time or or t- telepathic? Uh, no, anything? no, it was um, it was a very fast sighting. It lasted maybe only one to two minutes. It uh, moved from um, you know the right side of my backyard and made its way across exactly this the distance of of my yard to you know to the left side, but it it traveled you know towards the uh, the south. Um, but as it as it was moving to, away from me and had more of its tail towards me, it got darker and darker in appearance, and it appeared to have what it looked like um, like it had no light coming from it at that point. But it had this weird white, swirling, almost like an umbrella like vortex that was surrounding it, you know, uh, surrounding the object. And I finally realized what that was was that you know like um, Mufon took my report. And they told me, you know, that you know, when you when something when an object's covered in plasma, you can see the plasma from from some angles, but you can't see it from other angles. And they said the the way I described it is exactly how a solid object would would react if it was covered in plasma. And so they they said definitely what you saw was a physical you know physical craft that was flying in the air. Hmm. It wasn't it wasn't like a shooting star or something like that. Right. So I filled out the entire, you know, my, after I saw this, this thing and I, after freaking out and not knowing what the heck I was looking at, um, I filled out a report with MUFON and, um, you know, and then Stu Bundy called me and, you know, took a, a report and I never heard back from them ever since. So I, like, I had no idea what had happened to my report. Huh. So, um, so then, um, where we go here is almost a year afterwards. So, cause it takes us to, uh, June of 2015 this year. 
and then um, I find out that there's this co- this convention going on, this um, you know UFO convention called the Alien Cosmic Exhibition in Brantford. So I'm all really excited to you know to find out what the you know really curious to find out what this thing's all about. And then I find out you know there's a whole bunch of um, you know top ufologists who are doing um, you know they're doing seminars and it's all done by pay per view. And I I immediately recognized Tan- Stanton Freeman was uh, was speaking. I thought, oh man, I got this. I'll be able to meet Stanton Freeman. And then I saw what immediately grabbed my attention was Grant Cameron and his presentation. <laughs> and 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 you know what it was? It was aliens, musicians, consciousness, and the connection. <laughs> and I just completely flipped out. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is all about me. <laughs> so I'm like freaking out, thinking this is just way too coincidental. Like, you know, this is all about me. I've, I'm being called to go to this. Like, this is, this is the answer. I'm going to find the answers to what's going on in my life here. And so it was like, it was like a dream. It was just like, you know, like being one of Jesus disciples, you know, it's like when you're called, you're called. So it's like, I'm going to like, I felt like something else was, was pulling me to, to meet with Grant. Um, that was, you know, bigger than, bigger than me. And so I, I go to uh, the Alien Cosmic Exhibition, and um, I, you know, I, I, I was able to grab him just before his presentation. And I just walked right up to him, and I handed him my first CD, you know, my first CD, the Pyramids on Mars. And he, <laughs> and he immediately looks at it, and he looks at me and says, we got to talk. I'm like, yeah, we do. Yeah, and the interesting part about that is I think we had talked to Grant on here just after he had, he had sort of – changed his direction in, in his research to consciousness, right? And yes. he had an epiphany similar to yours at, at he, and he probably told you all this oh, yes. at, at the, at the Congress when he was watching, um, what's his name again now? Oh, now I'm going to forget it. The crop circle guy, um, who used yeah. to be, uh, oh, now I've, I've totally lost it there. Anyways. Um, and it was all about consciousness and then that whole connection. And, and he kind of, you know, had that epiphany and, yeah, they yeah, asked him about how you know how do you fly the craft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wow, that's exciting. So you so you met Grant and then you handed him the CD and then you. Uh, yeah, and then I saw his presentation on consciousness. And, yeah, and uh, he talked about the left brain and right brain and and how the right creative brain is connected to oneness and God and how all these downloads are coming through that and you know and how savants are able to you know come up with these you know calculations you know without even thinking about stuff and then he started talking about musicians and how many musicians have been either abducted by aliens or have seen ufos or have been in contact with aliens or who actually think they are aliens from another planet and 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 it really you know started to i started to put you know start put things together um because i i had similar experiences too because like i've gotten things through dreams myself were, you know, my first song on my CD dream division. Um, I didn't write that song. Um, I didn't write that song at all. It came to me in a dream. And and you remembered it? Like you're, what were you, was it a lucid dream? No, I was, I was in a deep sleep. I was in a deep sleep. And I remember having this dream, um, where I'm watching this, you know, um, interview of this, you know, some guys interviewing Joe Satriani and, He's uh, Satriani is sitting at a sitting at a recording console, a big big monitor, and they're asking him about his, you know, what's he working on? He says, "Oh, I'm working on a new album." And he's like, "Do you have any tracks we can listen to?" He says, "Oh yeah, I got this song we could play for you." And then he starts playing, um, you know, Dream Division that that song, and the first whole minute of Dream Division is exactly what I heard in my dream, 
and I was listening to you know this and playing this song, and I was thinking, this sounds really cool. I wish I could write something like this because like you know it starts off with this you know pretty simple guitar, but then the bass kind of comes in and it's doing something different from the guitar, and then when the drums come in, it's doing something completely different than everything else. But it all worked really well together as a unit, and I thought, wow, this sounds really cool. And then I realized, wait a second, I'm dreaming. Joe didn't write this song. <laughs> And so I wake myself up out of the dream. I, I run downstairs, grab a piece of paper, and I start you know charting out the uh, the drums, bass, and guitar lines. And then I end up writing the song. But I can't really take credit for it because I technically didn't really write it. You know, it's weird. And this is the kind of stuff that Grant's talking about. These you know these downloads that people get. Yeah, and he was collecting. I think that we started to collect. Um songs about all this stuff and i guess musicians and all that which is which is probably the the core of what the presentation was that you saw yeah 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 and we've so talked I, and we've talked about on the show a little bit about this book that came out quite a few years ago now maybe i don't know maybe eight or ten years ago called alien rock he's got to be reading it right now oh really <laughs> yeah i've got it up on my uh on my on my laptop as we speak. <laughs> wow, because yeah, I've heard I've I've wanted to have that. I was uh, spoil it for you now. That author on, but it's it just reminds me of exactly what you're talking talking about, like the the amount of famous musicians and and artists that have had you know unexplained experiences is, is just phenomenal. Yeah, there's lots of them. I mean, um, you know, I just first I just, I just finished reading the first chapter about about Elvis, and I can't believe how much of a UFO connection Elvis had. You know, he had a, when he was born, there was a blue light, a blue UFO that was hovering over his house when he was born. <laughs> and then, you know, he also had connection. He had many UFO sightings. And there's one talking about this huge, you know, stadium sized cigar shape, you know, UFO that, uh, the, you know, almost, you know, abducted them in the desert. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, and he, you know, and, you know, talks about how, Elvis uh, claims that he was actually not from this planet. He was from another planet. It's funny how, and how obsessed we are in, in, in North America with pop culture and, and famous people and all that. And yet, and yet all that stuff seems to be just like glossed over, you know, there's such an opportunity to, to share people's famous people's experiences. And yet it just hasn't happened yet. Really? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stories here of these, you know, a lot of famous musicians that people don't really know about. I mean, uh, Grant went on to talk about Sammy Hager and then his, his, what happened to him. I mean, Sammy, Sammy says that, you know, he, he woke up out of a deep sleep, um, to hear voices, you know, like, you know, and he heard somebody saying he's waking up, he's waking up, but he felt like there was all this information that was being downloaded into his brain. And, and then when he opened his eyes, there was like a huge bright light that he was blinded by that he couldn't see. And eventually the light shut off black, but he he felt like he was violated, like like or like all this information was being downloaded into his head. Hmm. You know, it's a really you know strange story. You know, Ace Freely from Kiss, he was actually abducted by aliens, and there was you know burn marks in his backyard from the from the landing. You know, um, and then John Lennon, his his UFO encounter. And that's the example that Grant Cameron gave with me with, with um, what happened with me, which actually takes me takes takes me back to my story of you know, all explaining what happened at that alien cosmic exhibition after I, I met with Grant. Yeah. So I, after his um, after I saw his presentation, 
uh, there was a room that was next door that had a whole bunch of tables set up, and I happened to notice that MUFON was set up there too. And I saw Stu Bundy, who took my report, he was standing there. So I, I walked casually up to the table, and um, I, I took out the pictures of my UFO encounter that I had drawn, because I didn't have a, I didn't have a photo or a camera at the time, so I really drew some really good quality pictures of my of the craft I saw and it ended up flying over my my house. And I just put the pictures on the table there, and he looks down. His eyes go big, and he, he looks up at me and says, Oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. We're doing a presentation on you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, What? So I haven't heard from you guys in a year, and you're doing a presentation on me? He says, Yeah, your story is one of the most authentic cases we've come across. And I'm like, Wow, that's that's awesome. <laughs> But I said, okay, here's a big question. How many other people saw it? How many other people reported it? And he said, well, that's the funny thing. You're the only one. And I'm like, no, that is completely impossible. There's absolutely no way that I'm the only person who saw this thing. I mean, this, this thing was glowing orange and red. It was only maybe, you know, 1,000, 1,500 feet above in the sky. And it was traveling across the, you know, the, the mountain part of Hamilton. There's no way. Like it was 10:30 at night. There's still cars driving around, people walking their dogs and stuff. There's no way any in the world that I'm the only person who saw this thing. And they said, "Sorry, bud, nobody else reported it." So I'm like, freaking out. I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. It, 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 it defies physics. It defies. It defies logic. So I'm really upset. Like we're not upset. I'm just completely bewildered. I just don't know what to make of it. I didn't. I didn't know the thing. It's like I, I know what I saw. I know you know. I, I know exactly what I saw. Um, but how can I be the only person who saw it? And so I met with Grant and um, and um, and he said we'll meet and we'll talk about it. And so um, it was the Sunday. It was the next day. Um, um, I came back to the cause of the exhibition and uh, I met with him and he said, Yeah, I, saw, I went to Smoofon. I saw your whole presentation. They they talked about you. And we're asking, you know, they're looking around for you. And I says, come have lunch with me. We're going to talk. So I'm like, okay, great. And so we, we sit down and talk, and I tell them the whole story. And I say, Grant, how can this be? How can I be the only person who saw this thing? And he looks at me with a straight face, you know, completely casual. He's sipping his coffee. He says, yeah, actually, Kevin, this happens all the time. It's quite uncommon. I'm like, what? <laughs> he, says, he says, yeah, that happens all the time. He says, you know, the same thing happened to John Lennon. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, John Lennon, he saw he saw a, a, a UFO in um, in New York City. He was standing naked on his balcony. This thing came by so close that he said he could have threw a brick at it, and he was screaming and yelling at all his neighbors to you know to look at it. And it was like everybody's lights were out. Nobody was home. It was like the city was shut down. And he was yelling and screaming at everybody. And there and there's usually always people around, but there was nobody. And um, his girlfriend at the time, you know, claimed, you know, was saying, oh, I think we just think that they were all down at the Hamptons. I guess it's some kind of club or something like that. But there was nobody else who saw the craft that he saw. And then Grant went on to give other uh, examples of people who've been chased down highways by alien, you know, by, by some kind of UFO. And then when Grant asked them, okay, is this highway normally busy? And they say, yeah, it's always busy. There's tons of traffic on this highway. Well, how many cars were on the highway when, when this was happening? And they're like, oh, that's kind of funny. There wasn't anybody. 
it was like it was you know like we would travel for miles and miles and the the highway was empty. And Grant went on to say, you know, like somehow these beings have this ability of being able to isolate whoever it is that they want to have contact with, and they're able to shut everything else down around them. Um, and he said, Kevin, you know, these aliens, you know, they're in contact directly with you. So I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm just. I'm just, I couldn't make, I, I was freaking out. And um, honestly, it's, I, it's, it's, I honestly, it's because of, you know, I, you know, because of my music and what I'm doing, everything that I'm doing with my music um, and raising consciousness of the UFO phenomena, they are, by them coming to see me, it's, you know, it was an affirmation that, yes, we're watching you. We approve of what you're doing. Continue to do what you're doing. And, um, yeah, so like you know, they haven't actually talked to me directly, but I've been able to make sense in regards to what it is you know that they're telling me. I'd be curious to know is what the report rate for MUFON would be like. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, if, if <clears throat> the percentage of if sightings that get reported, people, like say if ten thousand people in a city have seen something, how many would uh, call MUFON? Five percent. That's ex. Extremely optimistic, I think. No, I think I it's think so. less than one percent. Really? Do you think that? Do you think that other people have come forward? I think ninety-nine percent don't even know what MUFON is. I don't think people would. But I know that um, the you know, um, as far as me being the only person who see, saw this thing, um, I was on the, the Monday after the Ace, Ace, the Alien Cosmic Exhibition. I was on Rob McConnell's show, who runs the X Zone, and he's actually from Hamilton too. And uh, when I talked to him, he said that he had ran reports prior to talking to him on the phone to, uh, you know, uh, all the, all the, whatever, whatever databases there are to look for UFO sightings. And he found that there were zero anomalies the night of my sighting. Wow. So as far as the official record goes, I was the only one who saw what I, what I saw to the point that even after I had my talk with Rob McConnell, um, I got an email the next day from their producer, his producer, who blatantly said, due to the lack of evidence of your sighting, we are no longer pursuing your story. And they've, they've just, they've disassociated with me. <laughs> wow. I've, I've often wondered if it's, um, I flip, I flip flop back and forth between, between, uh, like what, what your what happened with your sighting, which is like, they're isolating you, um, between that and somebody, somebody just having a different perception or a different vibration that allows them to see different things. Like maybe it's both, maybe in certain circumstances it's both, but I know there's quite a few or, you know, multiple people like, like even I was, I was out the other night uh, with a sea city group trying to see some UFOs and two, two of the guys saw this squiggly thing going around up, up there. Like, like, like let's say like the brightness of a star, but really, and nobody else could see it. Like and a then spark bar. And then three of us saw a flashbulb and other people couldn't see it. So I wonder if they're like isolating, if that was some sort of presence, if they're isolating groups of us, or if it's just like a different thing, more about our perception or something like that. Well, I've talked to some other people and they, they describe the same thing where, where they have seen craft and there's other people who have been around them in the same area who did not see it. And, um, 
and they're just surprised that other people did not see it. Yeah. And then when, when they were asked about you asking other people if they saw it, they're like, no, I didn't see anything. I mean, and one guy who he described, like, I forget which, I forget which radio station he's on, but it has to do with the, one, of the, was one of the UFO ones. Um, he said that he, what he saw in the sky was, was the size of a football stadium. And it was completely covered in, like, in these dazzling lights and stuff. And he doesn't know how he could be the only person who saw it when there's other people who are around. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So I think that they're they're somehow, you know, they will allow people to see them, and other people they will not see them. Um, it's some kind of maybe some kind of consciousness thing. I talked to other people too, you know, who has had the same you know same experience where they saw a UFO and nobody else was able to see it or refuse to look at it, you know, that's interesting. So, but you know, as Grant says, if you do see it, it's because they want you to see it and you're part of the game. So, you know, anybody who has had an experience, you know, they're part you're, you're part of the game. And like Grant says, if the UFO phenomenon was a game, it'd be the Super Bowl, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> He's got a quote. <laughs> So, um, so tell us more about how, where you're, how you, uh, how you get your creative spark. Like you mentioned lucid dreaming. Um, did you notice any change when you started writing, um, your music for pyramids on Mars? Like where, where, where the, uh, the creativity was coming from? Um, I know that when I was, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, um, for a period of 10 years, um, I, I lost, I lost my musical ability. Wow! Because um, I I had kids and I just didn't have time to practice, and I ended up losing my bands because I, I had a family, and I I lost I lost track of you know of of creativity to the point that I was you know trying to read books on how to you know how to be creative again. Oh wow! Um, it was a really dark period of my life. I was I you know I, I I hated God. I was like angry at God. I stopped going to church. And all this other kind of stuff, and um, I was really bitter and uh, and suicidal actually too. Um, and then um, it was back in 2010. We got a letter from our church saying, you know, we have you have you haven't been to church in a while, but you know, maybe we want to think about coming back and trying it again. And so I did, and it didn't all happen all at once. But after six weeks of me, you know, going to church. Um, a light came back on in my soul again, and I asked Christ to come back into my life. And it was like he gave everything back to me that I had lost instantly. And Pyramids on Mars was born. And I just started writing music, and I never stopped. And the music has just flowed right through me. So it was like when I shut myself, when I turned myself off from God, it was like I had pulled my plug out from the universal consciousness and when I came back to him, it all came back and it's flowing from a, a very deep part of me that I don't know where it's coming from now. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't expect uh, you to to um to mention that about the the you know the church aspect of it. So what did, what did were you open with the people in the church uh, right away? Like what did they think about uh, about your experience? About my my spiritual my spiritual awakening? Yeah, and then, and then I guess the I guess your sighting as well. I went to talk to a priest about my sighting and we got into a big argument. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, because he, it was out of his, out of his paradigm. <clears throat> um, 
we had a great talk. Uh, he was a great, a great. Was, this is a, one priest who came in for a visit. Uh, he was he's mostly blind and he can hardly walk and stuff. But he was his he was, his story was so compelling that I felt I had to talk to him. And we, you know, I went for confession, and um, you know, rather than just you know having a confessional and saying, you know, I've done this wrong, I've done this wrong, I said, I want to have a talk with you. You know, I said, um, I've seen aliens. And we talk about this, and um, he, got, he kind of got angry at me actually at one point because he just didn't understand. He, he was out of his, you know, out of his league. But um, you know, he helped me to, you know, to you know, look inside myself and and you know, figure out you know what it is that God wants of me. You know, what what God wants me to do. Um, how 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 you know how am I supposed to serve God? And I really started. You know, it, it made sense of what he was talking about. And I just feel that, um, you know, I've been given this great musical gift and my, like my, my guitar playing, I'm, I'm more in tune with, with spirituality and, and feeling emotion and expressing emotion on the guitar to the highest level that I want to express that with, you know, get other people to feel the same thing that I'm feeling. And at the same point, none of the music I write, I only write it if I tap into that energy into I tap into this, 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 this conscious field. Um, and I feel like the music, whenever I'm writing something, it's the music is coming from somewhere else. I don't feel like I'm there. I feel like a medium. Yeah. You're in that flow state in a flow state. Yeah. It's kind of like a stream of consciousness thing, you know, like, a you know, same thing, like a, like a great writer, how they can just go into a stream of consciousness and, you know, and then later look back afterwards and say, like, did I write that? <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same thing. You know, like after you know, I write when I'm writing a song, it feels like I'm a painter with this white, you know, canvas, and a, and a, and I got this black, you know, outline of an idea, and then it's like I've got you know my paintbrush with color by numbers, and it's like, okay, this is red, this is blue, this is whatever, and before I know it, the you know the the song is done, and I feel like I really didn't really write it; the song just writes itself. So, you know, that's kind of how it all flows. Um, and the songs just kind of come together. So I think it's just a matter of really being in touch with, uh, you know, letting that conscious flow and energy flow through you. Hmm. That's the hard part for, especially for people that aren't really artists or, or like, you know, not <laughs> professional artists. So what, did you continue writing after Pyramids on Mars then? You continued um, writing it or did you spend most of your time with pyramids on Mars after that? Um, I've been, uh, I've been writing for pyramids on Mars, uh, since 2011. And, um, and, uh, I released my first debut CD in 2013. And then I just released Echo Cosmic, um, today actually it was official day. We had it really, you know, as a pre-release for the last three months and we've been, uh, we've been you know, promoting it, uh, heavily. Um, I've been working with John Asher, who's uh, Canada's best metal publicist, and he's really, you know, really been pumping the album, and I just like the reviews are just crazy. Really people good just, for you. People, yeah, people that's just awesome. love it. What's like, uh, so today for people in podcast land? Today is what fucking September eighth. Yeah, September eighth, two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, wow. Fifteen, yeah. fifteen. Not, oh no, that's wrong. Um, so, <laughs> so what about yeah that first song you mentioned, that dreaming one? Where do I, mm -hmm. where do I find that? Uh, um, dream division. Yeah. That's, um, is you can, uh, my whole, whole, the whole of echo cosmic, you can, uh, if you go to triple W dot pyramids on mars.com, 
you can click on any of the songs right there uh, where the album is and you can listen to them streaming. Right oh, there. Dream Divisions on Echo Cosmic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That it is. Interesting. So, uh, well, where was I going? I lost my track. Where yeah, sorry, we keep uh, interrupting you there. <laughs> Rob's okay. a real interrupter. <laughs> <laughs> we try hard not to, but sometimes it's impossible. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're probably talking. You're talking about the creative flow and um, how how to kind of create that. that yes, that the creative flow. Yeah. 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 So I, um, you know, I, I don't do any. I don't write anything unless I'm I'm in that creative flow that I feel it, and uh, the songs have to come from somewhere, um, and I, you know. I don't sit there and, you know, consciously try and write a song. It's, it's got to come as a flow from somewhere. And, um, after, after echo cosmic, I, um, you know, I kind of, uh, didn't have any new, new ideas coming cause I just been so focused on, you know, promoting the new album, but I got like two, uh, two new song ideas already for, for my next album. And it's kind of funny where the ideas came from. Cause like, uh, um, you know, I, I got into a bit of a, debate with my with my my boss and we end up resolving things i go down to the kitchen in the basement and all of a sudden this this song comes in my head and i hear this riff going and i'm like this sounds really cool hey this is gonna be an awesome awesome idea for a song so i run upstairs and i start tracking you know writing out all the tablature for it <laughs> so um so like you know that the flow just comes and when, when it comes you got to listen to it and you gotta you gotta grab it from the air and and write it down can you uh, can you cheat to get there? Or can you can you help yourself get in the zone? Like I don't know. Yes, you can. Meditating or smoking a joint, mushrooms probably will be a bit fucking much for them because <laughs> you can't pick up the guitar. <laughs> but definitely yeah. a couple of bong hits you could, could get me feeling a little bluesy. <laughs> I usually well, alcohol is my thing. <laughs> but you know, I usually drink you know wine or something like that, and then I go watch you know a bunch of Metallica videos on YouTube or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Or, you know, Saturani or something. Then I go and, you know, pick up my guitar and start playing some really cool stuff and just whipping things off. But um, uh, it, I guess, you know, sometimes, you know, if you plug, if I have the guitar plugged in and you know, after, you know, warming up for a while, sometimes I've come up with some, you know, crazy stuff that just sounds great when you get into a creative flow. And then uh, it's like, okay, throw on, you know, pull up the recording equipment and start recording whatever comes through. Um or sometimes you just got to be cautious of, of of where you know that you are create where you're most creative. Some people um, they know they're most creative when they're driving their car. I, th- so, I find the shower. The shower. I was going to say that's where I have a lot of my great ideas. The shower is my right um, is my uh, what do you call it? <sighs> it's almost like a mini meditation for me. You know, it's just like it's a moment that you know it's like one of the few places in. In fucking your modern life and your day to day, especially if you're married with kids, yeah. like that shower is maybe your few minutes a day, depending on what you do for work too. But for a lot of people, that's you know that, yeah. and maybe while you're having a shit. But nowadays, while you're having a shit, you're playing on your phone. So <laughs> Dimebag Daryl is really Dimebag Daryl wrote most of his stuff while he was on the shooter. There you go. Did you know that? No, from a, Pantera. Yeah, I remember those Pantera days. I'm gonna download yep. that album. He used to have a cowboy from a, hell. 
Yeah, he had a guitar by the crapper all the time because he said that's where he got his greatest, greatest, greatest riffs. Definitely in the shower, I'll get. Like, if you try too hard, you can't force it, but yeah, that's where you're sitting there and you just be like a little eureka moment. Yeah, I usually find that the shower is where I will piece together the last bits of the song that I'm working on. So if I've got like a song that's like, you know, almost completed, but I, you know, it, it lacks a, um, a guitar um, melody, like the last, you know, like the lead guitar, because, you know, that's the last thing that goes on on my songs is the lead guitar and the guitar solo. Um, if I uh, go in the shower, those melodies will come to me. They'll just, you know, come out, come out, come out in the shower and then I'll hear it and then I'll go down and then I can, you know, write, write what comes, you know, what this you know, appeared into my mind, so to speak. That's like the relaxation response. I mean, Pete, that guy Benson wrote about that, and it, it's interesting because so many, so many, uh, you know, even bright scientists or so many inventors have had their, you know, their most uh, momentous moments in that response, in that relaxing spot. Yeah, because yeah. you clear your mind and shit. Yeah. You're and just like yeah, you open up that channel, which is, I mean, really just a micro of the channeling music and stuff like that. Actually, Grant Cameron goes uh, even further to say that, uh, you know, that the creativity flow comes when you shut down the, the left brain entirely. And, um, and um, many, many, you know, computer scientists, uh, you know, like the guys who created Google and, and uh, even Steve Jobs and that uh, give a lot of uh, claim to or, you know, um, give a lot of, what do you call it? Credence. Um. Yeah, like uh, you know, like saying you know, thank thank you to LSD for helping me you know see the lights, so to speak, or, or for me to make my ideas. Otherwise, computers wouldn't exist. Yeah, and and now they're showing that that hallucinogens or at least psilocybin actually does slow down the brain. Like when they when they study brain waves when with people that are on that, they expected to see lots of activity, and it was the opposite where they saw very minimal activity, which kind of fits in with that whole hypothesis of you know shutting down the. The one side. Yeah, that's a, that's a great was saying is that it, somehow LSD has the ability to shut down the analytical brain very quickly so that the right creative brain, the one that's connected with God and oneness, is able to, you know, work and do what, it's, what, it, what it does naturally, which is, you know, just, it just thinks without the, without physically having to think. And it's so much bigger. And it's like you're tapping into almost like this holographic memory. Wow, yeah, that's fascinating. And he's actually Grant, uh, you know, in his studies, he's you know he talks a lot about about holographic memory, and about you know the studies done on rats and how you know second, third generation rats will will do better, you know, faster in a maze, uh, or almost like the the the, the, the rats are, are or even rats that are from a you know farther away from another other rat study will learn. The maze, almost like they're learning the memory from other rats from somewhere else. It's like the hundredth monkey. Yeah, that's yeah. how podcasts work too. Through the collective consciousness. What do you mean? That's how podcasts work. Yeah, now people just know how to podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Humans that are born in another age just know how to podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're talking you know, like a, like a holographic memory where we tap into a consciousness of something that's memory from somewhere else. Memory can be holographic. Why can't everything else? It is. It's all holograph. I think it is. I think that's the whole secret behind this UFO thing is that everything is, you know, everything is connected in, in this way that everything is like a holographic memory that we are, we are all connected in this, 
in this consciousness way because um you know as, as grant was because grant has been learning you know these these aliens are tell or they're 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 um they're telepathic um they talk they talk to the mind um do you guys know how to fly an alien craft you know how you fly it with your mind with your mind that's right um grant has done several you know he many people come to him and you know have claimed you know they, they let me fly the craft which is you know it's amazing you you, you have to get a driver's license to you know to drive a car but you can get into a ufo and they just let you take the wheel <laughs> <laughs> so so you've been in into studying you know ufology and and all this type of stuff for quite a while and you must have seen it evolve over the decades although you did probably you know you probably lost <clears throat> lost a bit of that through the the 10 years and actually similar similar to me i lost my interest uh kind of through the early 2000s and the late 90s but got it back but what what's your feeling about like are you going to be more involved in the ufo community are you going to continue going to conferences or anything like that or, or what's Absolutely. your what's your feeling about the way ufology treats itself like like have you seen the polarization of it or like even you know even some of the you know there's this big need for for ufologists to be really like you know healthily skeptical or overly skeptical and it seems like there's still this uh backbiting going on have you thought about that at all or what do you what do you think about that i think the problem with the ufo ufo community and this is not to be critical but it is it is a uh an observation that is very, um, it's completely isolated. That it's not like you know, like how the the police operate, where they all have share collective information and it's all available to everybody. You know, so that everybody knows who everybody's working on, and the cases are all you know universal. The UFO community is not like that. It's like this is my information in my corner. I got my information. I've got my information in my corner, but nobody's sharing. You know, to be able to see the larger picture. I mean, look at look at MUFON. They didn't even contact me. You know, after a year, and they're doing a presentation on me. I mean, I, I thought that was kind of you know, personally kind of rude. Yeah, no kidding. Um, um, but you know, it's like, okay, guys, like you know, like let's you know, throw me a bone here. Um, but it's also like with other other you know, like the, the information is just not shared amongst everybody in an entire collective, which I don't get that. I think that we would have a lot more of an understanding if it was like, you know, if we, if the UFO community operated more like, you know, um, house, you know, like you ever, you ever watched house? Actually, the no. Doctor? House MD. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know how like they got all these great doctors who come into a room and they try and theorize about what's wrong with the patient. Cause they all, you know, they all have experience, but by putting all their heads together, they're able to come up with you know um, a better understanding. It's the same thing. I, you know, the UFO community needs to do the same thing so they can learn from each other and be able to put all the pieces together. I yeah, don't know why they're not doing that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, even even the bigger organizations like MUFON can't get their shit together. Like I I, I filed a sighting with them in the ni- in the mid nineties, and then I went back to look for it, and it's it's gone. Like nowhere to be found. Like I can't even access my own sighting. Hmm. So no budget. So how many? The, uh, you know how many? What's that? That's a no budget will ha- do. Like whenever well, there's no budget, you're not going to have much infrastructure. Who's going to pay for all that shit? Well, donations and stuff. I mean, there's there's a membership fee for MUFON. Like I had, I, f- I probably paid them forty bucks to get my little MUFON card back in the mid nineties. <laughs> not that that's enough to. 
to manage that. But I mean, don't it's one person for one hour. Yeah. But don't, I mean, don't capture the data and then lose it. That's my point. Like that's, that just shouldn't happen. I mean, how many no. sightings are not there now because of that? No. Yeah. There should be some kind of, you know, universal database. There should be a lot more organization. So what are your, what are your thoughts on the future of it then? Besides, you know, collaborating more on the data, which is a, is a great idea. Is it, is it going to continue to open up? Well, um, well, let me think here. Like I know, um, you know, from, from as far as what I want to do, um, I'm going to be continuing to, you know, gather, gather more information and learn as, as much as I can. And, uh, you know, um, I've been watching all kinds of stuff from Grant, um, yeah. to understand, you know, his angle and also, you know, a bunch of stuff that Richard Hoagland's been discovering. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to educate myself and, um, I'm, because I'm now in this, in this, in this circle, um, I've been introduced to a lot of uh, important you know, experiencers, um, um, particularly uh, Chris Bledsoe. Um, I'm friends with him now. Uh, do you guys know who Chris Bledsoe is? Uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's his uh, his story is being turned into a major motion uh, um, Hollywood film, and I believe uh, Mel Gibson's going to star in it. But uh, I've I've had a chance to talk with Chris myself. Um, you know, one on one. And the stuff that he's told me is just unbelievable. Hmm. That it has religious connotations to it as well. Um, like good versus so, evil type stuff? Nope. Nope. He's been in contact with extraterrestrials. He's been given um, a message to the world to share with the world. Um, but some of the information that he's also been given is um, it's, it has religious, has religious connotations to it. So, wow. um, you know, figuring out the connection between God, you know, Jesus and these extraterrestrials. I think Chris has the answer. He's been given that she's been, she's been told the truth. Can you tell us? No, I cannot. <laughs> It'll be coming out in the movie, Darren. There, I don't even know what's in the movie, but I know Wait. that, you know, Chris has shared with me some stuff that I am still trying to wrap my head around. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want to talk to anybody else about it because I don't understand it myself. Um, Fair enough. And I just, I just don't want to, you know, share anything that Chris has, you know, shared with me privately. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, because I don't you know. It's 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 his it's his information, and he's the one who knows what he's talking about. And I don't want anything to be misunderstood, and I don't want to be accused of, you know, breaking confidentiality. Have you? Are you going to go down to UFO Congress or anything like that? And. Uh... Mm-hmm. I like to go to I like to go to a lot of places, but right now I I make so little money where I work that um, it's gonna be a long time before I can go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there should be uh, some local stuff in Toronto. You're not far from Toronto, are you? No, I, I can go to Toronto. I can go to stuff in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Have you Have you been on Richard Serrett's show yet? Uh, the conspiracy show. Who show? Richard Serrett. He's uh, he's based out of. Uh, it's a it's a real it's an actual like AM radio show, but it comes out in podcast format as well. And and uh, he's yeah, you should check him out he, and uh, go on his show. And he he's got a couple, he kind of sponsors a couple like conspiracy related events too in Toronto. What's how do you spell his last name? S Y R E T T, I believe. Hey, Darren. S Y R E T T. Yeah. 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 
It's like Zoomer 740, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, fellow lo local guy, great guy. He's got a <clears throat> a bit of a, uh, actually, he's got a bit of a, a Christian aspect to all this stuff as well. All right. All right, cool. Hmm. I just wrote that down. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Well, the cool thing is um, two weekends ago, I got contacted by Art Bell's producer. Oh, nice. Yeah. So she and I talked for almost an hour and a half. And, wow. Um, yeah, and so she's trying to get me on to his show. Is that happening again? We should get Art on our show. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, that's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about that because uh, that could be a, um, a huge exposure for, for Pyramids on Mars. Um but you know, at the same point, I also want to uh, you know be addressing the larger picture of what's going on with these you know musicians and this you know alien phenomena and the connection. Yeah. And you know how how I'm tied into it all because you know it's it's still it's still blowing my mind and I'm still trying to make sense of things and you know you know what Chris told me is that um, my story is not over my contact with them is definitely not just you know he said they're going to be back it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm like, Oh my God. So every night I'm like, you know, always sleeping with one eye open. Is it, is it, is it exciting or scary? Both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm mentally prepared now and I, you know, I will not be surprised if, if one of them comes walking through a wall and looks at me and says, it's time. Um, I know that someday that's going to happen. And so it's it's exciting, but at the same time, it's completely terrifying. It's like, oh my god! Like, how would you feel? Like, you know, like, like seeing what I did see, um, you know. And I, I've gone through it so many times in my mind, trying to think of, you know, and, and the, the coincidences just add way too much up. I mean, okay, yeah, I've been told that, you know, I'm the only person who saw this thing, but then when I start adding up all the other, you know, coincidences. You know, A, I step out on my porch and the thing, you know, immediately appears within seconds. B, um, the sighting only lasts a matter of a minute to a minute and a half. If I had stepped onto my porch, you know, a minute earlier or a minute later, I would have missed it. C, it materialized behind this big tree. So I never did see, you know, where it came from. It just kind of all of a sudden came from behind a tree. Yeah. D, it traveled only the exact distance of my backyard. It didn't, you know, continue to traveling across the sky. It, it it turned and moved and went south, and its complete path was exactly my backyard. E, it appeared in such a majestic way that there was no way for me to be able to say that, oh, that was like a shooting star or something like that. No, this thing was like a few thousand feet away. It was really close. It was disc-shaped. It was covered in plasma. It was two-dimensional. You can't make this shit up. Yeah. I can't make it up because I've never seen anything like that in real life. I've never seen anything like that even in movies. Nowhere have you ever seen anything in the, in anywhere that's two dimensional. Have you ever seen anything that's two dimensional? Okay, besides a you know a, a solar eclipse, but you know how do you explain this stuff? And then, and and once again, it was so crazy looking that it took me six months to be able to. I analyze all the things that I was looking at when I saw this thing. Cause that's so crazy looking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we, we get it. We get it. I, I feel the same way. It like, it can go on for decades, you know, trying to figure, figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, 
you know, for the first two weeks after my sighting, I was so upset. I was like devastated almost like my whole world was turned upside down. Like I was, I was really upset. Like I didn't know what I, what I looked at. I was trying to make sense of it, trying to make rationalize it in, in, you know, in regular terms as what it could possibly have been, you know, like if it was some kind of plane or some kind of test flight stuff. Yeah. Meteor but goes, all those things go through. Meteor, your head, right? yeah. yeah. You're trying to, you're trying to like, you know, rationalize it, but it just didn't fit into the box. There's just too many things about it that just, I didn't know what I was looking at. And I, and I just felt like my whole world was turned upside down. And then you finally come to acceptance to realize, okay, yeah, I know what I saw. There's, I can't, there's no other explanation. <laughs> How's your family taking it? Well, um, my parents have been very, uh, they've been very open and, 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 um, they've been very, um, you know, caring and listening and, and they, they, you know, they've been very supportive. My brother, he, I can't really talk very much about this kind of stuff because he's one of these really rational kind of people who needs to have, you know, solid evidence yeah, yeah. to believe anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an agnostic and, you know, he's a libertarian and he's very analytical. So he needs to have, you know, physical proof in order for him to believe in anything. So I can't really talk to him about this stuff. Yeah. Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Seems well. <laughs> he is an awesome guy. He is. He's the best brother in the world. Um, it's just that he, you know, there's certain things that we're just very different about. My wife, um, she believes that I saw something, but she has a really hard time swallowing anything else. So I don't really know. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know. But uh, my kids, my kids are, um, you know, they're supportive. They're, they're supportive, which is good. Um, but, uh, you know. You know, people I talk to on the radio, they're, they're very, they're very supportive, which is great. Um, but, you know, I also realize that there are some people, you know, who just have a certain way of, you know, box of thinking. It doesn't matter what you talk to them about, you know, if it doesn't fit into their equation of reality, then it, you, you can't say anything to them. They're, they're not going to believe you. So, uh, you know, that's, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's because this is what, what we're doing now, talking to people about it, but. I feel like there's more and more people that are just open to all kinds of possibilities. I don't know if it's just a growing group of like our community, but I think there's a lot more people who are open-minded than there are people who are not. Yeah. And finally yeah. now they're able to talk openly without ridicule and judgment and connect. Safety in numbers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Safety in numbers. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, 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 the, as the growing community, as the awareness increases, it's, you know, it's feeding upon itself and it's increasing faster and faster. But um, at the same point, um, it's still going to take a, a long time for it to, you know, reach a critical mass because um, there's just so much at stake uh, of beliefs that, the, you know, belief systems are going to be shaken to the core religiously and, and you know, politically. You know, if these, you know, these, these aliens are, they're socialists, you know, they're not, you know, they're there to, you know, be better for everybody. They're not there, you know, they're not capitalists. Um, and that's, that's the problem that, you know, that you know, a lot of people are going to have because they want to, you know, as Grant puts it, you know, everybody is like a leaf on the tree and we're all attached, attached to each other with, you know, to the, to the tree. 
but it's the corporations who want to own the tree to be able to, you know, you know, either charge you, you know, admission for food or to cut the tree down and use it for, you know, your own purpose. And, you know, that's not how the aliens think. They're socialists. They're not, they're not capitalists. And so that's going to be a huge, huge issue for, you know, any, anybody. Well, that's <sighs> interesting. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that quote before. Eh, Darren? That could be the, that could be the episode quote of the quote right there. Eh? That so was a Grant Cameron, Cameron, Grant Cameron quote. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. So, is there anything that we've left out here before we start wrapping it up there, Kevin? Oh, geez. Let me think here. Uh, <laughs> well, we've talked a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I, I, I mean, I really want to thank you for being so open and honest, too. I, that's what we really try and try and do here and have a, a platform for people to, to talk openly and honestly. And, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And anybody who wants to listen to my music, you know, go to uh, com. All my music is available there. You can listen to it streaming. You can buy the CDs right off the website. Uh, check out the store. I got all kinds of cool stuff in the store, merchandise, like uh, tour T-shirts and, and uh, the CDs and, and, and posters and coffee mugs and, you know, um, bongs and stuff and no, I'm just kidding. No bonds. <laughs> Dar- Darren just <laughs> popped his head up. Um, are you? Uh, I I bought your um, your py- pyramids on Mars from iTunes. Is is the Echo Cosmic coming out on iTunes as well? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, it was supposed to be <laughs> released today, but uh, um, um, I put everything through TuneCore last night. I said we'll take 24 to 72 hours to go through. I'm like, ah. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, you, you can buy it on Bandcamp right now, currently for seven bucks. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. It'll be on iTunes in the next uh, next couple of days. Right on. And right Amazon on. in the next couple of days, too. Right on. Well, we wish you all the best with that. I'm going to link to it in the show notes and buy it from iTunes myself. And, yeah. And, of course. And then actually, all, Darren wants to put some in there. Yeah. All the music you hear in this episode will be from the new album. Or awesome. and the old one. I got, a, I got a couple songs from the old album I might want to put in there. Yeah, because you're going to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Kevin. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Are you on the oh, f- thanks, guys. I mean, uh, it was a blast. Are you on the Facebook or the Twitter or any any place like that? Our listeners can track you down. Absolutely, yeah. Find me. Uh, uh, find Pyramids on Mars on Facebook. Um, they'll get all kinds of updates. Uh, there's tons of radio interviews. Um, yeah, actually, if you go to my website and click on Press, all my magazine reviews and all my radio stations, you know, podcasts that I've been on are all all there. You can hear the entire story you know, you know, again if you'd like to in regards to all the crazy stuff that's happened and other stuff about pyramids on Mars and my influences and how, how I think about you know how I think about music right on right on thanks but if you're ever in Calgary uh, yeah look us up for sure I will I've been up to Calgary uh, two times uh, my last job our head office was in was in Calgary um, so yeah um, great city right on Thanks a lot, Kev. Thanks, guys. Okay, take care. All right, cheers. Bye-bye.
And that was her chat with Kevin Estrella. <laughs> what do you think, buddy? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I like that. Did you? Yeah, I, I wish I would have known. I got mixed up and I didn't realize that one CD he was releasing is coming out today. We did miss lose a bit of audio there, too. No. You didn't Not. notice the Mac restart? The whole computer restart? Well, you're going to have to get it out of Mixler, then. If the computer fucking shuts down, it's not broadcasting to Mixler. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. He was on a roll there, too. It's gonna take some patchwork. Oh, my God. I can't believe that you're just coming to terms with this now when you've seen the computer turn off completely. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> Could have been worse. So I got it figured out. What? Not that I really care about the answer so much, but... What do you got figured out? Well, the others are taking our artists and musicians away for concerts in other, you know, neighborhoods. And then altering their memory? Well, yeah, yeah, maybe that's all part of it, but they're, they're, what do you call it when you, um, you feed somebody like you, you, um, nurture, nurture, nurture them, nurture the artist. And then when at this certain point, you kind of I feel like I'm playing charades. And you, can even, you can even do it just with a conscious. Like maybe it's not physically, but you bring them over and then they play their like, like earth-based instruments to the, to like an alien crowd or something like that. Oh, come on. Maybe. I think it's maybe just that people who are more artistic are already more in tune to that side of things. Yeah, it could be it for sure. So that's just it. They're more li likely to be listening. And they're li they, they might be more likely to be open about their experiences as well. But they could, yeah, and they could still just be, inter they're all, I mean, they're still all interpreting something else in their own sort of way, I suppose. Well, but with the MUFON shit, you know, I just think that it's less than one in a thousand people that report their shit to MUFON. Well, who knows? That's all specula speculation. If you wanted, like, if you walked around downtown Calgary and asked a hundred people if they knew what MUFON was, how many do you think would say they knew? Ten. So ten percent of people even know what. Only ten percent of the population even know what. And then MUFON how many people is. would actually report something? So how many of that ten percent? So you're already only one in ten of people that know that see a UFO, know what MUFON is. And then how many do you think are going to go to the trouble to track down this fucking MUFON? What's your point, though? I'm trying to get to the people who say that they're the only ones who experience something. Ah. That, you know, maybe no, another, no, no. maybe 5,000 people experienced it, but he's the only one who bothered. To no, 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 no. The point is, is that it happens more often when they're, when they're with, when you're with other people or when there's other people that are there and they see something different. Like his, his sighting in the lake where he saw that flaming moon thing coming at him and the, and his buddy saw it coming out of the water. Right. So they're seeing different things. Wait, that's a different subject. That's not, no. that's not the point I was addressing. No, but what I'm saying is that most yes, of those... I see what I get what you're saying, but you just railroaded the conversation. No, because so that's that you the didn't point. have to answer my question. I, I, I know what you mean, yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. I'm just saying it comes from other sightings other. where there's people seeing different things or, or a bunch of people around and only some of the people see it. Like, why only some? I don't know. Maybe only some are looking. Maybe he was the only one that saw it out of thousands of people in Hamilton. Tens of thousands. Yeah. 
hundreds of thousands. It's just for him only. Or maybe 5,000 people seen it. Only one person report it. reported it to a phone. No. No? Not buying it. Not buying no. it. <laughs> not buying that one. That is too far-fetched. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Hope you enjoy the chat. Big thanks to Kevin for coming on. And as always, support the show. Gramerica.ca slash support. Head on over there. Check out how you can keep us... Uh, sponsor free and ad free and uh of course if you can't afford to support monetarily we do always love artwork we love st sending grammar stories or trip reports or synchronicities and reviewing the show and telling your friends thanks a lot wasn't september tell a friend about the that's show right. month yeah that's right motherfuckers oh yeah and uh check out uh that one post there you can go and buy slee stack music and support the show at the same time yeah, thanks, Matt. So you actually get something for your money instead of just us rambling assholes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. When are we live next? We never talk about that. Oh, live. We're live. Oh, right after the day after this comes out. We're live twice. Saturday at midnight? And Saturday at 9. Saturday night at 11 and 2 in the morning. Eastern. Eastern. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.